Church of the Warm Heart, good morning. Great to have you on this uh, Sunday, Sunday morning. I'd like to say uh, nice and warm, but it is cold. It's cold out there. But uh, we got the warm hearts in here, and so we are blessed. Uh, I'm looking around. At the first service, we had our cantata, which uh, had all the choir up there and and, uh, filled the house. And I noticed about 10 to 15 of our second service people went to the first service. So, uh, Maybe, maybe next year we'll do one service combined for Cantata. We'll see. Uh, but we're here today. Uh, it's going to be a good service because we, we are got good people here. And I know you all got good singing voices. Did you warm up your singing voice? Let me hear. All right, let's stand and sing our opening songs. Glory, 
glory in the highest.
source of comfort, healing, and peace. Lord God, shape us, mold us, transform us. Help us to be a reflection of your light, for we are your people. And today, as your people, we gather together to pray, as Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. 
take a few moments and greet those around us in Christian love. seat. One of our joys during the Advent season is the lighting of the Advent candles. Can you believe that there's only one more week until Christmas Eve? So counting the days. For us, we're on the third Sunday of Advent. Uh, Just to let you know, Christmas Eve next week, we have one service at 10 o'clock in the morning. 10 o'clock in the morning. So we told the 930 people if they show up early, they get to help set up. And if you show up at 1115, you could help tear down. But a service... (laughs) Services at 10. Uh, just a couple more things about Christmas Eve as, as we get ready for the candles. Uh, we're trying to design a bulletin cover just for fun. So we have a lot of kids drawn, uh, but we want some adults as well. If you'd like to help, uh, make, a, make a bulletin. We'll kind of mix them all in there together so next week you can try to find yours. But we need these by Thursday. You can uh, send it in. You could, you could uh, PDF it in, however you want to get it to us. Uh, we'd love to showcase that. We also sent out hundreds of postcards to a couple different neighborhoods this year, sharing the times of worship uh, for Christmas Eve, inviting them on in. We have a few of these left. On the way out, you might notice in some places that these are just hanging around. Feel free, take one, take five, take ten. If you live in a place that uh, uh, you can pass them around, great. If you have friends or family you want to mail these to, uh, easy peasy, just it's a postcard, send it on. It looks like a picture. Because it is a picture, but it's a postcard for us. So uh, grab, grab a couple of these and send them, send them, uh, send them out. Because we have three worship times for Christmas Eve. They are at five, seven. I'm not going to hold you to this, but who who might be coming to the five? Who might be coming to the seven? Who might be coming to the nine? Don't have a nine. No nine. Ah. Who might be coming to the eleven? Awesome. And uh, we will be streaming the 5 and 7. If you're joining us online, I forgot to say hi. Welcome to you. We are blessed to have you with us. Uh, if, you, if you're joining us online for Christmas Eve, we'll be streaming at 5 and 7. And you guys are at the 7. Awesome. Uh, not 7.30. 7, 7, 7. Wonderful. Well, we come today as people who are surrounded by suffering and grief... And yet the Spirit hovers among us, tending and anointing, inspiring freedom where there is captivity, declaring blessings in the places the world has cursed, and igniting fierce joy where mourning and heartache prevail. When God's people were surrounded by hardship, suffering, and grief, the prophet Isaiah proclaimed, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. 
Because the Lord has anointed me, he has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give thanks a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. And as a congregation, let's read together. We wait as people who experience hardship and pain. Yet we are called to witness to the persistent joy that sustains our life as God's people. We light these candles as signs of our shocking hope, just peace and fierce joy. May our lives shine with the fierce, tenacious joy of the light who lives in our hearts as we wait and work for the coming of God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Today we light the pink one. Do you know why we light the pink one? Why there's one pink one? Nobody knows. It's one of the traditions that grew up around the church for hundreds of years. I've seen people try to explain it away or they come up with a cutesy little story, but at the end of the day, we don't know. And we don't know why we have joy sometimes in, in hardships, right? Sometimes we don't know why we find peace in times of war. Sometimes we don't know why we still love when, when people around us might not be so loving. We choose to be these kind of people. Let us sing together our Advent candle song. Telling somebody who's colorblind to light the peak candle. there today. I know we got a couple watching online, but come on down. It's your time in worship. A couple big kids too. I should have tuned before I came down here. There we are. What do I got in my hand today? A guitar. You got himself a guitar. That's right. One of, the, one of my favorite things about Christmas, you know, the cookies are nice, the candles are awesome, the parties are fun, but I love Christmas music. Do you like Christmas music? Yeah. And the neat thing about Christmas music is we, we all know the words, at least one verse, right, of most of them. You get to verse two, three, four, it gets a little wonky, but we all, all know Christmas songs. So I did this at the first service. I said, help me out. See if you can finish this. this is, these are not Christ- I'm not, I'm not going to start out with Christmas songs here. Okay? So I took my horse to the... <gasps> Yay! Some, uh, some people knew it. First service, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
nothing. And I, I did some other contemporary songs, first service, nothing. And so I went, uh, let's see if we know this one. Oh, my darling, oh, my darling. You all know, they knew that one. And I swear half of them knew Clementine personally. So it was awesome. They laughed at that joke too, so I'm glad. I wasn't picking on them. There's songs that, that some, like my kids know songs that I don't know. And I know songs that they don't know. But there's a few songs that everybody knows. Like, Oh My Darling Clementine, that might be one. Uh, I did, uh, what did I do at the first service? Uh, working on the railroad, it was, Oh, I come from Alabama with a... Yeah, the kids didn't know that one at all, but the, but the adults did. So, yeah, there's some songs that we know, some songs that they know, some songs that have been forgotten over time. So I thought, you know, some songs everybody just knows. So I just had fun with this. This is going to get us canceled on YouTube today. Country roads take me Have you ever heard that? Nope, not yet. You will learn it. That's, that's one that's just out there that everybody knows. But no matter your religion even, if you're a Christian, if you're Jewish, if you're Muslim, no matter where you are in our country, you can't get away from Christmas songs. And everybody knows those. So if I did, Away in a manger. See, they know it. They know it. And if I would do, let's see, Silent Night. See, we all know these words. I know you just all want to keep singing, don't you? Yeah. Well, well, Christmas Eve, we are just going to load it up with songs. A uh, couple, this is not part of the children's song. Some... <laughs> Some of my friends like Christmas Eve, they love Christmas Eve as pastors because then they get their 35, 40 minute sermon into the largest crowd. I'm like, dude, short sermon, short sermon, sing, sing the songs. Even Hell's Angels wants to sing Christmas songs on Christmas, right? Aw, love, 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 love. And I love this. And we all love you too. If you're joining us online, kids, we all love you as well. May the songs of Christmas season touch our hearts this year that we might be a people of peace, of love, of hope, and of joy. And the family of God said, amen. Amen. Thanks for coming down. As we come to the offertory, a word of thanks to those who participate to the giving to this church. We have one, two, three, three, including this one, three Sundays left uh, to try to get back in the black. And we appreciate uh, all of you in, in uh, supporting ministries and the love and the care that we provide. Let us take the offertory.
Our scripture lesson this morning is from Isaiah 9 and Isaiah 64. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Yet you, Lord, are our Father, we are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look on us, we pray, for we are all your people. May God add blessing to the reading of this word. Thank you, Pastor Jen. So there was this father of five kids. Five kids, I can't imagine. Five kids. And, the, and they went to a place, and they won a Christmas raffle. And they got a little present. Uh, it was kind of a one-person sort of present. They all couldn't share it. One present, five kids, awkward situation. So the dad thought, all right, kids, come here, come here, come here, come here. Uh, let's find out who's going to get this present. And so the dad asked questions he probably shouldn't have asked. Who is the most obedient? Who never talks back to mom? Who does everything she says? And five voices rang out, Dad, you keep the present. (laughs) Fathers. Well, in this season of Advent, we're exploring the names of Jesus uh, that the prophet Isaiah shared. Isaiah was around 700 years before Christ, and he gave us some great lines that that we have put on on Christmas cards, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And he gives us four names. And if you've been coming the last few weeks, you could probably rattle these off. Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And each week we're taking a look at these names in turn. And this one, this one was the most challenging for me. Everlasting Father. Because it's so hard to look at a little tiny baby in a manger and think, Everlasting Father. Here's, here's, here's a little test uh, for you, okay? Let me show you why. Here's a little test. Uh, I'll throw up an easy one. No trick questions here. Who is the father of our country? Awesome. Father of our Constitution? Not Thomas Jefferson. The declaration was him. James Madison. Yeah. Father of Western medicine. Got to go back to the Greeks. Who, who, we ha- he has a famous oath. Hip- it's, yeah, I know, it's hard to say the name, isn't it? Hippocratic oath, Hippocrates. Yes. Father of evolution. Darwin. There we go. Father of modern astronomy. Got to go before Galileo. Copernicus. Yeah. Father of nursing. Trick question, this is actually a mother. Florence Nightingale. Nightingale. Good job. Let's get churchy now. Who's the father of the Methodist Church? John Wesley. The father of Judaism. How far back do you want to go? Father had many sons. Father Abraham had many sons and many sons had Father Abraham. Father of Islam. Muhammad. Father of Christianity. Jesus. 
It doesn't sound right though, does it? To, to call him father. How can the son of God be called everlasting father? Is there confusion within the Trinity? We think of God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit, or if you're old like me, it's Holy Ghost. Ooh, Holy Ghost. Is it right to call Jesus Father? When we do the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, who are we praying to? Are we praying, praying to God, or do we pray to Jesus? It's a question the confirmation kids ask me sometimes. Like, do we, is it okay to pray to Jesus? Like, well, he's, he's a part of the Trinity, so yes, you can. Uh, but even Jesus taught us to pray to the Father. In these examples, though, uh, the ones that, uh, that we just quizzed on, the Father just means the founder or the author, the originator, if you will. A person give, who gives an identity to a new idea or a practice or a way of life. There's no confusion here. It's not a statement about the Trinity. It's not saying that Jesus is our Father in a paternal sense. As I've alluded to in the first couple sermons, Isaiah 9, it's, it's more of a political message. So what's going on in 8th century B.C. in Judea? It's about the coming of the Messiah and the government he will establish. The government shall be upon his shoulders, and he shall be called. And then we get the throne names. The throne names, the uh, everlasting father could be, I'll play with this. I want to play with this for a second. Everlasting father, if you flip it around, it would be father of everlasting or father of eternity. Ooh, I like how that sounds. He is the father of eternity. What does that mean, I hear you ask? Well, at the, at the most basic level, it's affirming that the Messiah will reign forever. We do that in the, in the, in the uh, hallelujah chorus, right? And he shall reign forever and ever. Yeah. On a deeper level, the father of eternity means that he's the founder, the author, the originator of a new way of life, of eternal life for his subjects, and that's for us. Real fast. We're just going to touch on the historical context in which Isaiah spoke this prophecy. It's a very unsettling time. Let me remind you what's going on. So kind of put yourself in the shoes of the people walking around Judea, 700 years before Christ. So I, we're going to put up a... Oh, it's really hard to read, isn't it? Uh, oh, all right. I need, I need young people's eyes. I've got to get closer. So these are the kings of Judah, southern kingdom. If you, know, if you know your Bible, you get King David, you get King Solomon, and then after that, the country splits north and south, and you get the book of Kings, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, and they list out all the kings and all the adventures and all the stories that they do. So here are the kings of the, of the southern kingdom. So Isaiah was during, uh, and we're going to keep this up for a bit, Isaiah received his visions during the reigns of four kings, Uzziah, it's right in the middle there, Uzziah. Reigned for 52 years. It's a long time. Now, in the, in the last dozen or so years, he was kind of housebound, homebound, illness, getting old, that kind of thing. And his son Jotham kind of took over for 11 years. But when Uzziah died, Jotham just kept on leading the country. And he, he lasted 18 years. So for 60, 70 years, they had, they had a seamless, good government. 
That's a long time to have good government, right? I can't wait to get 70 years of good government. I haven't seen it yet. Maybe it's because I'm only 50-something. But anyway. uh, But when Jotham died, up comes Ahaz. Ahaz did not walk in the ways of his grandfather or father. Did not walk in the ways of the Lord. He kind of took him down another path. And it was not a good one. And he had no fear of God. He was incompetent militarily. He was self-seeking politically. And to make it all worse, he reigned at a time when there were actually serious threats to the nation. You want a good president during the hard times, right? There was a possible civil war coming up, an expansion of the Assyrian Empire. And there was a sense, there was a sense that all the people thought, all the best days are behind us. The golden years are gone. Here we are, we're sitting in darkness, we're sitting in muck, we're sitting in, in incompetency, we're sitting in, 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 in political strife, we're sitting in, in, in a horrible time. I'm glad we're not there at all. There was a deep sense of regret and sadness for a past that was lost. There was also a feeling that what King Ahaz was doing was going to be irreparable. That the future of Judah was doomed. And they just looked with fear. They looked with, they, they were scared. And then Ahaz had a child, Hezekiah. Hezekiah uh, would, would be coming up. And Isaiah put all his hopes and all his dreams on this one kid. And the government shall be on his shoulders. He's going to fix it. Or at least get us back, back to where we should be. A life of faith is not different now than it was in Isaiah's time. Do you ever look back and think, oh, those are the good years. Why can't we go back to then? Isaiah says, you can't live in the past. You have a bright future. There might be dark times we're going through now. We all have our ups. We all have our downs. But there's always hope. And God does not sleep. He's there. If we trust an everlasting father, if we trust a father of eternity... You know, let's, let's look at this throne name under, under three points, Everlasting Father. And since it's Christmas, I'm going to get a little Charles Dickens on you, okay? Because uh, Charles Dickens, he wrote that book, Christmas, Christmas Carol. How many ghosts are in Christmas Carol? Four. Marley. Don't forget Marley. But three important ones. <laughs> Ghost of Christmas, past, present, and future. So we're going to look at this throne name. Christ is the father of our eternity past. Oh, there they are. Christ is the father of our eternity past, the father of eternity present, and the father of eternity future. So what's that mean? Christ is the father of eternity past. When the Bible tells us that God is eternal, it means that eternal in both directions. Infinity this way, infinity that way. He is not bound by time. He made time. And yet, God's story is kind of carried out in in the time that he made. Uh, Psalm 102 says this. In the beginning you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will wear out like a garment. 
Like clothing, you will change them and be discarded, but you remain the same. God, your years will never end. What would it mean if Christ was, was uh, your eternity past? The father of your past. This means that if you trust in Christ, if you believe in him and follow him, you don't have to allow the past to paralyze your present. Isn't that true? For so many of us, where our past paralyzes our present, whether it's regret, roads not taken, bad choices, people harmed. Maybe it's bitterness, something that was done to you by others, or just the hand that you got dealt in life. Man, regret and bitterness, they will sap your joy. It's because we choose not to have God be the God of our past. It affects the way we parent. It affects the way we live. It traps us into constantly thinking destructive thoughts. You got regrets. You got bitterness. You know what? Welcome to the human race. But Christ is the everlasting father. Let him be the savior of your past. He's also the father of our present. If Jesus is the father of our present, what would that, what would that be like? Would we be, would we be more loving? Would we be more forgiving, more Christ-like? So how are you going to do this? You know, you know when you go to Google and you type in, click, 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 Google, and you type in whatever it is that you're looking for, and, so, and they got autofill, right? And so you're typing something, and it tries to guess what you're going to say. It takes like thousands and millions and even billions of other people's uh, uh, suggestions, and they try to figure out, all right, this is what you're trying to figure out, right? Um, and then you get all the ads based on that in the future because of cookies, but that's a different story. Uh, what, would it, what would it say if it would say, why are Christians so blank? And would it, would it say, why are Christians so loving? Would it say, why are Christians so awesome? Why are Christians so sweet? So if you actually go to Google and you type in the phrase, why are Christians so, and if you click A, you hopefully get an awesome, right? You get an A word. If you type in B, and it'll give you a, like uh, a, a good word. <laughs> I can't think of a, of, of a beautiful. Christians are beautiful. You know what you really get, though? Let's, let's see what Google has for Christians. It's just going to go down the alphabet. Why are Christians so arrogant? Bigoted.
like their crow out. Is Christ the father of our present? How do we counter this to a world that sees us as something else? Apparently there's a lot of work that we can do that, that I can do. And last, Christ is the father of our, of our future. Not only do we sometimes allow the past to paralyze who we are but totally, and totally messes up our present, but we allow the future to do the very same thing. When you think of the future, do you think good thoughts? Or do you think it's all downhill from here? Let Christ be in your future as well. Sometimes we get to the what ifs. I can't do that. What if this happens? I can't do that. What if that happens? Uh, we were having a church meeting a while back, and we were trying to figure out something to do. And let's let you know we're going to have some an event in February. And someone's like, "What if it snows?" It's February. It's, it's going to snow sometime, right? You can't stop all your plans because of what may or may not happen. Sometimes we get so preoccupied with the future that we miss what is going on today. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus addressed the subject of worry more than he did any of the, of the subjects that we saw up there. We worry. We are worry warts. Do you have worry? Do you have fear? Let me tell you something. So did Isaiah. They had a bad king. They were making bad choices. The enemies were on the doorstep. Death and destruction were a real and imminent threat. And Isaiah had the audacity to write, we have an everlasting father. I know the world can seem dark right now, but we have a king that stands above time. Let him be the father of your past. Let him be the father of your present. Let him be the father of your future. He is the father of eternity. And that is a present that I can give to my kids. And the family of God said, Amen. Let's stand and sing our closing song together. Come, thou long expected Jesus.
Wednesday, uh, if, if you're so inclined, we do have a, what they call a blue Christmas service. It is, you know, people are joyous and happy, and uh, this is a wonderful time of the year. For some, it, it's, it's kind of, it, it could be a time of sadness. It could be time of, of just hitting the blues, where, where you think of people who are, who are gone, or just the darkness of the year, or whatever's going on in your life. Uh, we'll have a service of hope and joy, uh, but we will acknowledge the pain that we sometimes face. That'll be Wednesday at 6.30. But we hope to see you next Sunday at 10 o'clock for worship and or our Christmas Eve services at 5, 7, and 11. May the God that brought us together go with us now and forevermore that as we, as we claim this Christ, as we claim this baby as our Father, the Father of life, the Father of eternal life, may God's joy and blessing go with you all. Amen. Amen.